today's date is November 13th, 2017. Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those unfamiliar with the show, we go through our routine, give you the latest news, and then we jump into some topics to discuss at the end of the show and move on to the next episode. If that sounds interesting to you, why don't you stick around, hit like and subscribe, and we'll be happy to see you for weeks to come. We release every Wednesday. Week after week. So, Emery, what have you been reading? I actually just got done uh, reading a couple of different things, uh, one of which is uh, here on the table. Uh, Moon Knight Legacy. Um with uh, a cover that we are going to get into shortly. Um, it was a decent read-ish. Uh, it, Moon Knight it seemed... Legacy, for those that don't know, was our variant cover of the week. Yes. Um, the Last uh, week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should probably uh, specify. Oh, yeah. Uh, last week, uh, which makes it this week's... Uh, does the content match the drapes, which we'll get to momentarily. Um, apart from reading that, I did read uh, the latest in Mr. Mickle's, uh mind-bending adventure, um, which strongly recommend to any and every comic book fan out there. Yeah, this is probably Tom King's best work to date. Oh, yeah. Outstanding book. Every issue throws me for a loop in a different way. Yeah, it... it <laughs> somehow manages to keep getting better and adding more suspense to what's going on and yeah just uh highly recommend uh i also uh read i think it was venom legacy which is not uh this week's does the content match the drapes and <laughs> i will say that Apart from the cover, which is going to be uh, part of a topic that I'm going to talk about later, uh, the content was actually pretty good. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, this was, is a legacy book? Yes. Which, because of its holographic cover, made me think it was a Spider-Man, but I'm glad it was Venom. <laughs> <laughs> it tricked you, huh? It, it tricked me and reminded me that uh, I didn't know that I needed Venom, the lethal protector in my life. And by that, I mean classic Venom. Eddie Brock Venom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's back, baby. Time for a noogie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man, you better watch out. Swirly. <laughs> oh, yeah. My, my favorite my bully to Spider-Man. <laughs> Except in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Except in the movie. Check out our Spider-Man Homecoming review. Yeah. Venom. Lethal Protector. Get it. it. It's actually pretty interesting. The The dynamic between Eddie Brock and the symbiote, I think, is much more obviously uh, like a symbiotic, like loving relationship, weirdly. And it, it works. In, Aww. It, in a very weird way, it works. How romantic. <laughs> oh, God, I'm now imagining romance between a man and a weird goopy suit costume thing. It, 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 Speaking yeah. of romance, 
I didn't mention this last week. Shout out to Batman <laughs> White Knight issue two and what oh. they did with Harley Quinn. Oh, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Murphy did exactly what every comic fan, at least DC fan, has been wanting <laughs> from Harley for a long time. Uh, to bring uh, the... the Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, Wee woo! That that that! I'll make that noise next time. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I mean it, it's been out for a little bit. The internet's a thing. It's it's been out for a week. <laughs> it's not that long. We've already talked about backlogs and all these things. Let's give people more than a week. <laughs> okay, okay. It's one of the best surprises in that book. We'll we'll give them two weeks. But yes, uh, that's pretty great. Any other books this week? Um. Did I read anything else? Uh, I read one of the other issues that uh, is in this stack that we'll get into later. The uh, what's it called? Uh, Port of Earth. Port of Earth number one. I yeah. picked it up this week along with a few other number ones. I still need to read. Yeah, that's very much a surprise title. Um, and oh my god, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, but uh, I did read a lot of the other ones. Ragman, love Ragman. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's an older one. It's, I think they're on issue two now. And I picked up number one with a bullet because it looked pretty pretty interesting, right there from uh, Image Comics there. And then I picked up Slots, which looks like a kind of Vegas thriller, Scorsese type of comic. <laughs> uh, yeah, Slots uh, definitely looks like a. Like it should have been a TV show, but we're doing a comic first. Yeah. Um, so, uh, number I, one with a bullet also makes me think of a panic at the disco track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks pretty cool. Uh, I think they're definitely going for a certain vibe with the name and the the cover art there. But uh, most of my reading has been relegated to the covers of the week, Mister Miracle number four, which we've already discussed. And uh, I've actually been reading volumes of stuff that I started to read but didn't have time to finish and still have several backlogs of the the comic issues in my box collection here. Um, well, basically, I, I filmed a bunch of instructional videos, so look out for those. Those should be released before this podcast. So look for them on our YouTube channel. They're exclusively on our YouTube channel because for instructionals, I wanted to have that visual medium, especially with things like bagging and boarding, framing things affordably, as you can see on the wall. I put up our my personal comics as decorations for our studios with many framed, beautiful, matted comics. So look to those uh, instructional videos that will be popping up on our YouTube channel here. Hit the books. Uh, for tips and tricks on boxing, boarding, building your box, where to get materials, how to frame things affordably and cheaply. Um, but while those videos were basically rendering and whatnot, <laughs> uh, I was reading t- through some volumes that I want to review, and I think this will be a good format for us going forward for our fans. We're going to be, instead of reviewing individual comics or like entire threads where we don't know where they're going to start or end, especially for these issues that number like number 781, you know, we're just going to read by volume and review by volume. So the first two I started out uh, using my Comixology unlimited subscription is Nailbiter number one, which I have my beautiful autograph number one there (laughs) on the wall. 
uh, Pride of My Comic Collection, one of them. And uh, Lock and Key, number one, volume one, uh, both of which are fantastic books. Absolutely pick them up. Just an early spoiler review without the intricate details. Yeah. Pick those up. They're really good if you haven't read them already. Nailbiter is a kind of murder horror thriller with some supernatural elements. And those those aren't like driven in too hard, but it's like subtly hinting there. Um, and they, the way they frame the art and everything, um, it's just it's done really really well. The internal art is just as intriguing as the cover art is, and I highly recommend it. Uh, it's about a detective who who has a sordid past himself, who goes to uh, hook up with a buddy of his in this town where there's just a, a swath of serial killers being born there. Uh, throughout the the decades and somehow this guy found some kind of connection but when he finds him he's fucked up (laughs) uh oh man so this leads to a series of great events where he's working with a local detective and trying to figure these things out so be sure to check that out uh lock and key is a book that i read the first issue of and then never got back to it um lock and key also famous because they're um making a hulu series for Lock and Key. So that should be coming soon. And I have to say, Lock and Key is a perfect candidate for a TV show because the concept behind Lock and Key is that after this series of events in the first issue, which I won't spoil for you, a very traumatic event happens, and the family moves to this old house where their dad had grown up, this old mansion. And at this mansion... Uh, slowly and surely the characters discover these these keys and each key has a different ability um, and there is a sinister something at work I don't want to spoil <laughs> things but right. they find these keys and each key has a different unique ability uh, there's an anywhere key that can unlock a door and take you into through a portal to anywhere on the planet there's a death door key where you open it and if you walk through the doorway you become a ghost and you can go and see things just by thinking them. Um, Interesting. There's a key that unlocks uh, <laughs> a person's brain, uh, and this is this is not spoiler stuff. This is stuff that happens fairly early. Yeah. Uh, so it's great. It's it's like it has all the dynamics between the characters you would want in an int- intimate comic book, and it also has kind of the fun, like, scavenger hunty mystique <laughs> of, you know, like a Pokemon or a collector, <laughs> some kind of collectors, which appeals directly to a comic book collector, you know? Yeah. Um, so the, the premise of this book is while trying to work through the trauma that was inflicted to them through these traumatic events leading up to the mansion, they're also discovering these keys and trying to figure out why they're here what do they do uh are there consequences to using them is there something else at play um i don't want to spoil too much but definitely pick up lock and key i got it i will say that lock and key is probably the most fun i've had with a comic book in a really long time oh, just uh, okay. i mean we've we've enjoyed white knight i love nail biter obviously um uh Mr. Miracle has been fantastic and throwing me for loops every month, but Lock and Key, uh, maybe maybe there's a little bit of bias there because I'm reading it as a full volume and not as individual issues, but right. it has kept me intrigued and having fun, and I like the artwork, and it's just everything about it is fun and unique, and 
I'm strange. Gonna have to pick that up. Yeah, I'll definitely let you borrow it if you want. But I definitely recommend it to anybody out there, and look forward to those two reviews of Volume One of Nailbiter and Volume One of Lock and Key. And I would guess that you're going to get Volume Two of Lock and Key very quickly <laughs> after because I'm enjoying it so much. Oh, nice. Looking forward to that. So that pretty much wraps up uh, what I've been reading. Uh, now, for the aforementioned segment, did the content match the drapes? This is our segment where we discuss whether our cover and variant covers of the previous week had content as good on the inside as the cover art on the outside, and give a shout-out to the writers. Uh, first up, we had a Rivers of London Cry Fox by... Uh, Let's see here. Ben Aaronvich and Andrew Cartmel. Hopefully I'm pronouncing your names right. But they seem to be British blokes that are basing this comic off of a book series. Positively Um, British. And the the writing itself is very British. (laughs) A lot of British (laughs) slang that I didn't understand. Uh, But here you see Rivers of London, Cry Fox. Beautiful cover art. Um, Very kind of telltale almost. Um, <laughs> How many times do they say bollocks? <laughs> I won't say that this comic was bad internally, but I think, and I'm going out on a limb here, I think that this book requires a lot of prior knowledge because the main character hmm. is not even shown in this book, in this first issue. I don't even know what the main character looks like. They just talk about him second hand that that is a very weird way to go about uh, telling a story yeah and there you might miss it if you read it too fast there's one little footnote that says see blank you know see whatever came before yeah and it's really small and if you don't see it you won't catch it so for people unaware coming into this book this book made by titan comics you are gonna have no idea what's going on and these events happen and they're kind of interesting but kind of cliche basically Hmm. there's a kidnapping of specific characters and they demand money from another specific character and then at the very end they call upon the main character who has not made an appearance or said anything throughout this to come investigate that's it (laughs) and Uh it's yeah i could see how that'd be a bit confusing the internal artwork was fine there's nothing wrong with it it looks like your average comic book um, but the story just didn't make any sense to me and I had no context for any of the characters. This is not, maybe if I had the context, it would be a good comic, but without any of the context of prior knowledge, I just, I had no idea where the fuck I was, <laughs> I was going with this comic and I didn't know who anybody was or what these events they were referring to were or, and they were using British slang on top of it. So I, I really I can't <laughs> tell which way is up. What day is it? <laughs> so it, it really made it for a hard read for anybody not in the know on this series, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, to jump in on that issue and have all of like all of that missing. Yeah, that uh, gonna say points off. Yeah, so I would give it a eh, rating. Yeah. Uh, speaking of ratings, <laughs> we'll get to that eventually. Oh yeah. Uh, but our rating scale is probably gonna be like a three point scale. Thumbs up. Meh and bad yeah (laughs) so we like to keep it simple simplify things so people can interpret things for themselves yeah uh next up for does the content match the drapes we have our variant moon knight 188 for our legacy collection here 
And when we gave this the variant cover of the week, we were thinking about this cover. <laughs> uh, yes. Without the holographic element, because that's how it was listed on the previews. We did not realize this was going to be a holographic cover. I don't know if you can see that with the lights there on camera. Uh, you can probably hear it. But the variant cover with the holographic is not a worthy cover of the week. No. By itself, no, it's, it's neat. With the, the with the faded with the hologram, holographic, I I would say that deserves a, re- a retraction. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's as deserving anymore. Although the internal art does look nice. Um, yeah. And to illustrate this point, as you look at the front, you turn it to the back where they have this big giant bold advertisement for Avengers: No Surrender, number six seventy five. This. This comic advertisement has a much better and cooler holographic cover than the front. <laughs> the advertisement has a better holographic art than the cover does. That is that is a sin in comic book making. That is an absolute sin where oh. your advertisement is more intriguing and more fulfilling than than the actual cover. I would actually hang this advertisement. <laughs> I, would, I would I would frame and hang this book backwards. Because oh. <laughs> it's it's great. It's a good illustration of holographic gimmicks. Uh, yeah. The front is not. <laughs> it, it, but, but the fact that you would rather show the back. <laughs> you would rather show and frame the back. Of a comic book. Yeah. That is, oh, I, I, I don't think I've ever been so infuriated just by looking at something. Uh, we're going to discuss this later in the show, so I'll save my comments about holographic covers for later. But yeah, um, yeah, I, th- I thought that was just an insult to our segment wholeheartedly. I did not realize this was a holographic cover. And when I picked it up, I was like. What the? F- Why is the advertisement cooler looking than the cover? Wait, the fuck is this? So the content. The is content. It? Let Let's uh, go to the content. The content uh, yeah. again, written by Max Bemis. Uh, what do you think of the content inside? Uh it threw me for a loop. Uh, In a good way or a bad way? Ah, uh, I'm still. It It's kind of hard for me to decide because. The way that it threw me for a loop is something that I would usually be, like, all excited for. But uh, the way that they set up the story uh, for this particular issue does it in a way that it... And this is it, a double-sized... It, just, it seems misleading. Yeah, this is a special double-sized issue, too, so it's it's got a good amount of content. I say the internal art looks really cool. So. Yeah, I mean the the art looks really really well done, really sharp. Uh, but the story, <laughs> the story, I think I don't know if I was just getting confused at the beginning, or maybe I needed more context yeah. going into this issue. But uh, yeah, uh, like by the end of the issue, I was like. Oh, that's what you guys were trying to set up this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I would follow this one. I've seen better runs of Moon Knight, but I mean, it's it's okay. So our, our question of does the content match the drapes is a little bit invalid here because the drapes 
did not match the uh, preview. The, the, yeah, the, uh, the drapes were we ordered, deceitful. It's like ordering drapes online with a beautiful image on Amazon or something, and then it arrives and it's all kind of weathered and torn up and gimmicky it, and shiny. Like you ordered something <laughs> new and it looks used already. Yeah. Like, what in the hell? So, uh, uh, the actual physical cover, not so great. Advertisement on the back, great. <laughs> yeah. And then content inside, we're going meh. 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 Yeah. All right. So, do with that information what you will. Again, written by Max Bemis and uh, Rivers of London Cry Fox, written by Ben Aaron Aronovich and Andrew Cartmel. All right. With that, let's get into our news items for the week. First up, Justice League premieres this Thursday, November 16th. Reviews are mixed, to say the least. Uh, Most of the reviewers are saying it's okay, it's fun. There's a lot of problems with the story, but it's fun. And the characters are likable. So let me just read you a few of the tweets from reviewers. This is from Jim Vevoda. Justice League is okay, with an exclamation point. (laughs) Uh, It's fun. The characters are enjoyable, and cast has good chemistry together. I want to see more from them down the line. It looks like a Snyder film, but sounds and plays like a Whedon one, which makes sense because Whedon came in for reshoots after Snyder had a family tragedy. It has lots of issues, though, that I'll get into when the review embargo lifts sometime next week. But the good news is that JL entertains. If BVS turned you off, consider JL a palate cleanser. One from Terry Schwartz. I am genuinely happy to report Justice League is a lot of fun. It's not perfect, and it has its problems, but does the job of making you care about these characters as a team by its end. It's also very funny in lots of unexpected ways. This scares me a little, because then I think about Ragnarok, (laughs) which was also applauded for being funny, and because it's Marvel, being a great movie, because it's Marvel. (laughs) Right. But in my opinion, it was not. It was was way too much. Yeah, that Um, was... Let me decide if something's funny movie, please. Yeah. This one is from Steven Weintraub. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I have a lot to say about Justice League. But we'll wait until it's released to really get into it. Two important things to know. Stay till the very end of the credits, and Jason Momoa is awesome as Aquaman. Kind of expected that there. It's the best (laughs) part of the trailers. Yeah. And the least CGI. (laughs) Uh, From Perry Nemiroff, we have, here it goes, Justice League is super thin and has some very weak CG, the criticisms we've been Uh, fearing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's got heart and a positive vibe that works. Overall, I had a pretty good time and am looking forward to seeing more of these characters. From Haley Fouch. Justice League is solid entertainment despite some problems. They pulled off a strange alchemy that works better than it should. The story is lacking, but the League is great and it's a blast to watch them in action together. Wonder Woman is clutch, obviously. And from Brandon Davis, we have Justice League is not a perfect movie. It has story flaws and a simple CGI villain. But, more importantly, it gets the heroes right. Every member of the League is fantastic, and it's tough to choose a favorite. It's a ton of fun from start to finish. From Mike Rogu, Wonder Woman is wonderful. Aquaman is surprisingly cool. Flash is hilarious. Batman is drunk. (laughs) The story is coherent. (laughs) 
and it's all surprisingly funny. It's not perfect, but enjoyable. Full review to come. From Jermaine Lucier. Justice League, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Narratively, it's a mess. The stakes don't work, and the villain isn't great. However, the heroes are great, and it's funny, and they're some surprisingly effective character work. I didn't love it, but there are good pieces to excite me for the future. From Peter Shrieta, hopefully, S-C-I-R-E-T-T-A, at Slash Film. Maybe Shrieta. That's probably right, yep. Uh, Justice League is better than expected, but not a home run. The interaction between the team is a lot of fun. The film sends the DCEU in a hopeful direction in line with where the brand should be headed. Flash and Aquaman steal the show. Uh, Cyborg and villain are the weak links. Again, things we could have predicted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cyborg easily. looking weak and probably being weak as a character and probably shouldn't be on the Justice League in general. Uh, yeah, no. Not nearly developed enough. So those are your early impressions for the new Justice League. We're going to see it because obviously we have to. I haven't seen Suicide Squad yet, so hopefully there's nothing relevant, and I refuse to see Suicide Squad (laughs) because I will continue to believe it's a great movie based on those trailers and nothing less. (laughs) I might have to be forced to watch Suicide Squad, though. I'm going to force you to watch Suicide Squad. And then we'll review it. (laughs) And then we'll finally review Suicide Squad. Our next big item on the docket. Yeah. Brian Bendis has announced his departure from Marvel to DC. Uh, Bendis is famous for uh, creating powers, cr- being the creator of Miles Morales, uh, having critically acclaimed Avengers runs, uh, including the current uh, iteration of Iceman and Riri Williams, who's the character we've criticized a lot as the uh <laughs> the Very... black iron woman who stole the technology and right is, is like somehow applauded to... for stealing shit she she's supposed to be a genius but she's just a thief uh alias with jessica jones which was a great run and daredevil which was also a pretty good run um he's been a uh you know marvel staple for a long time so it's definitely big news to see that he's moving to dc on an exclusive basis i wonder why he did that is it because of batman uh, it might be because of batman <laughs> he tweeted he wants to do something with batman which would mean uh scott snyder would have to get out of his fucking way which probably isn't gonna happen too soon oh yeah no um, scott snyder is firmly planted where he is but this I I even said, I think, last podcast, episode 10 or maybe episode 9, you know, DC desperately needs a fresh breath of air. Uh, And I I think they've been doing it right with Murphy and Tom King and these new, like, books that aren't tied to the the proper continuity. Uh, I didn't expect them to take Bendis, though, who, (laughs) while has, has done some great work... I personally have had some issues with him in the recent years Oh, uh, with yeah. some of the things he's been trying to force into books that just don't he, fit. Yeah, uh, there's he, been quite a few things that he's tried to push that just haven't gone well. A lot of these big events recently, for example, he's had a hand in it, and not, not unlike Jeff Johns over at DC. Yeah. And I think it's probably good that he's moving to a different company. Or at least different books, you know? Yeah. Um, Because then he has some flexibility to do something new that isn't forced and awkward and something he hasn't touched on a million times, you know? 
So yeah. I'm happy for him. It's I, I look forward to seeing what he'll end up doing for DC. He hinted that he has one last final project that he was finishing up for Marvel before he leaves. So we'll see what he goes out with. Yeah. Hopefully it's a bang in a good way. <laughs> but uh, it'll, uh, it'll yeah, be nice we'll to, to have something new, I guess, in DC. And I'm sure he's going to love the transition from New York City to uh, <laughs> L.A. LA. Uh, Anaheim, California there. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Do you have any other thoughts about it? Batman. I know it's Batman. I know that's what he wants to do. <laughs> that's what every writer wants to do, you know. Eh, I mean, I think most writers it, want a chance it, at doing it, Batman in some context. <laughs> it's like he's probably one of the I'm not going to say easiest, but probably the the simplest uh character to write for. Um well, he's he, just got so many tools in the the drawer, you know. He's oh, got yeah. all these side characters that support him. He's got his interactions with the Justice League. You can work with. You have all his crossovers. You can work with. You have all his <laughs> villains. His rogues gallery, which is the primary rogues gallery of comic books in general. He, yeah, uh, yeah. He has a lot the most well known uh, rogues gallery, which he, Bendis could literally do anything with yeah. the second he gets his hand on. And you can really partner with just about any artist on Batman and still have a cool-looking book, you know? Yeah. As long as I can do a decent drawing of Batman, you're good. I want him to do Superman. I really want to see... It's funny you bring up Superman, because that will be a later <laughs> news topic <laughs> about uh, the primary editor of Superman... Oh, uh, at least up until recently, <laughs> right? So, great irony there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a segue. Not to celebrate a guy's career going up in flames, but you know, <laughs> it was very ironic that his final book he was editing was a Superman title, <laughs> the Boy Scout title. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, next up on the docket, <laughs> uh, the Gotham by Gaslight DC animated movie has received its first trailer. And it's based on the comic book by Brandon Augustine and Mike Mignola. And it will be arriving in early 2018. And it looks pretty cool. I don't know if you've read Gotham by Gaslight. I have not, but I did see the trailer. Yeah. And yeah, I I could watch a steampunk Batman. The comic was awesome because it launched the Elseworld comics for DC Comics. Oh. The official Elseworld. Yeah. Yeah. and there are a had, lot of really good Elseworld world stories. Absolutely. And they did a really cool dynamic where they had Batman basically investigating Jack the Ripper and trying to figure out <laughs> who was committing all these murders as a kind of, you know, 1800s industrial age London Batman. That that it's actually kind of perfect for him. Yeah. Yeah. It it was awesome. It's a great book and they even did uh you know, a kind of steampunk variant cover in like 2012 or something with DC Comics for a month, yeah. and all they did was remind me of Gotham by Gaslight. <laughs> like they looked very much like the Gotham by Gaslight co- uh, costumes for the DC characters. So look out for that in 2018. It looks pretty good. Uh, DC's animated films are generally pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, there's that, that's usually what I would default to for them. Yeah, there's a few like meta titles in there, but for the most part, they're they're good. Next up, uh, as we mentioned, DC has fired their editor, 
Eddie Braganza for alleged sexual misconduct allegations by three former female employees, including unwanted forced kisses and gropes at New York bars and during company events, which had been filed throughout his entire tenure. Uh, He'd been there since, I believe, 1993 or 94. Uh, BuzzFeed was the first to report it alongside all the recent allegations against various Hollywood elites. Uh, Yeah. Harvey Weinstein and uh, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey, even George Takei, was recently accused of Wait, what yeah, of sexually uh, being inappropriate with other cast members, uh, specifically extras and stuff, like grabbing their asses and stuff. You know, I will which, never say oh my again, <laughs> which he has denied. But the accusations are going around for everybody. Kevin Spacey. Uh, uh, there's there's others i'm sure i can't remember them all yeah i think once uh the hammer's Har- band dropped pretty hard yeah uh, and it's you know again these are allegations unless uh, louis ck uh yeah yeah he did get the, some recently he, i think louis ck at least handled it as he should have where he said yeah i did that i apologize here's the apology i wrote in 2012 to her and stuff and like i understand that doesn't fix it doesn't make it right and i accept any consequences i know i fucked up he just owned it you know he didn't try to hide it right kevin spacey did a kind of skeevy thing where he like and decided to announce that he's homosexual (laughs) you know to try to like bury it in the news and yeah it it did not work oh Um, so that was a little gross um And this specific case, Eddie Braganza, he hasn't made a statement yet, but several people that have worked with DC for a while, artists and writers, uh, the least of which is Jeff Lemire, have come out and said that DC should have done this a long time ago, that writers and staff had been pushing for this for a long time, and instead DC promoted him (laughs) to chief editor uh, in 2012. So, um, again... These are allegations, so take everything with a grain of salt, you know. Yeah. People are innocent until proven guilty, maybe not socially, but at least in the eyes of the law. Right. He's not been convicted of anything yet. Yeah. Maybe there's more to it. Maybe things were just interpreted differently. And, you know, everybody's been at that awkward moment in high school or middle school or whatever where, you know, they think a girl likes them or they think a guy likes them and they go to make the move to kiss them or whatever else, you know, and it... Obviously, it doesn't work. And if you're in a yeah. bar setting or a company party and alcohol is involved, it's obviously not going to <laughs> make it better. Uh, yeah. Not to say no. that it's the right thing, especially as an adult. <laughs> as an adult, you should probably have the maturity not to do this. Um, but yeah, especially with coworkers. And these are all allegations until he either confirms it happens or, you know, <laughs> the evidence is brought forth beyond what has already been somewhat substantial so right um Which but is, this is a big deal because yeah. that leaves a big void at dc comics uh and brings some controversy they probably don't want to be involved in <laughs> because now forever they will be you know connected to this whole like falling out with big hollywood elites you know kevin spacey weinstein lucy k you know yeah. george decay <laughs> you name it you know it's like everyone's like everyone like ever since as I said before, Weinstein got accused is like, oh, wow, that guy, the really powerful guy that seemed untouchable has finally, you know, gotten his, as it were. Yeah. Uh, now, like, no one's safe. Yeah, Which, I... you know, it. I am so glad 
that uh, these things have come to light, that no one should have to put up with that in the workplace. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that are just really disgusting. I think the Weinstein thing is more disgusting than every everything else. Like, if you've listened around to, like, Hollywood podcasts, like uh, Hollywood Babylon or uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, yeah. they've talked about some of these people and how, like, people knew... But they couldn't say anything because they didn't have evidence. They couldn't prove it. Right. And it, of course, you know, in Hollywood, if you say anything without absolute proof, you're going to be sued oh, for, you know, yeah. libel and or slander, depending on the format you use to <laughs> tell yeah. people, you it, know. And not just that, being potentially blackballed from yeah. being able to especially do any the of case... the work that you're actually trying to get into. Exactly. Especially in the case of, like, Weinstein, for example. Oh, yeah. Weinstein yeah. You had all the power at his studio. If <laughs> you were on his bad side, you weren't getting the part, you know? Yeah. You weren't getting work. You weren't going to be that director or that producer or whatever. Yeah. Know? And not just so, for his company, but, like, all across. All his buddies, yeah. yeah. So Weinstein is especially atrocious because they literally put it in his contract <laughs> that if he did something inappropriate, that you would have to settle out of court with him. And as long as he paid Ooh. up, as long as he paid the money stipulated in the contract, he was scot-free. You couldn't touch him. That is disgusting. That's... I don't understand how that's legally even a possibility. Right. And if, if they tried to take him to legal court outside of arbitration, you know, within the company, then they would be charged with fraud and their contract would be void and they would have to pay back the studio all the money and everything which is outrageous and what workplace is that in the first world you know is that appropriate at any length how is this even legal (laughs) right is like Uh, having to even go to court with all of that baggage going into it because of the contract it just how how is it even legal to have that be legally binding in a contract yeah it's like if i act in this way towards you or against you you are signing here saying that if you accuse me of anything that you have to settle out of court first it's like what like let me make a document where i get to circumvent (laughs) every law that protects these people yeah what it's outrageous it's It's outrageous it's disgusting and you know it's again it's one of those common things where a certain number of actresses probably benefited from it and did favors to get key parts that jump-started their careers or something you know and weinstein got off to it and you know and they don't want to speak up because a it might illegitimize illegitimize their you know their career yeah um they're going to get sued by the studio <laughs> if they say anything. Yeah. And they're going to be blackballed in Hollywood, you know, for the rest of their career. Um, so it's it's just oh. weird that this culture has existed for so long, especially in the Hollywood circles. Uh, and now DC has to wear this big black eye uh, amongst <laughs> all this and be forever connected to these things. I mean, there's other, there's other people like IGN had uh, an editor that had that had been laid off, I think, a year or two ago but had been involved in this and i think one or two female counterparts had accused him of this and ign hadn't handled it the way they should have apparently again allegations take with a grain of salt you know there's always more to the story than 
what there appears to be, but yeah, I think uh, there are a few clear-cut cases where Kevin Spacey is trying to bury it, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to molest, you know, yeah, teenage boys, the, the, and there there are too many. Corey Feldman coming out, finally being able to speak out without fear of being sued, yeah, <laughs> by these you know Hollywood figures. Uh, um, the Screen Junkies people actually had someone that uh, really, yeah, it was uh, it it was actually the the guy who was kind of known for like being a part of like all of their content uh andy signor yeah uh he had gotten accused of and subsequently fired for uh sexual misconduct and uh it wasn't sexual assault it was i think it was just sexual misconduct yeah for most of these things to be clear uh well, the Weinstein thing is especially gross. Uh, as far as I know, none of the allegations have been outright rape. It's usually some kind of comments. And the, the case of the IGN thing, it was comments and, like, hugging that wasn't appropriate. Yeah. And then, like, uh, with uh, Eddie here, it was apparently, you know, kisses. Like, kissing a person at a bar that wasn't weren't allowed or given permission or, you know, welcome. Um, yeah like groping them whether that means you know groping can mean anything from groping their back like patting them on the back and hugging them inappropriately yeah. to like full-on grabbing someone's ass or as our president would say grab them by the pussy <laughs> <laughs> god so again all these Ugh. things take them with a grain of salt until something is confirmed or you know this is taking a step further right uh, it is nice to see people that are involved in these types of things being called out for it whether uh you know again like figures like george takai for example has denied it vehemently and you know maybe it's just a shot job where <laughs> they're trying to deal some reputational damage to him you know for whatever reason but there's yeah. also the consideration that this is all storming out at the same time and you, you don't know who's trying to grab a headline and who's trying to jump to you know conclusions and who had an actual like serious allegation who had you know something that was just interpreted as gross and inappropriate you know yeah i don't think it's a secret that men in general are criticized a little bit more (laughs) uh for their actions specifically because they're expected to be the ones pursuing the woman or pursuing the you know homosexual counterpart whatever yeah Uh, <laughs> very rarely are women expected to approach the guy and take chances with the guy and right. risk things socially with the guy. So, again, take everything with a great assault. Not condoning any of this if any of the allegations are true. As adults, you should be mature enough to handle these situations. Right. And if you're not, there's an issue there, um, especially at the company level. If the company knows this and this is happening in company situations, and it's been reported for years, like, uh, apparently Eddie <laughs> had been reported for years uh, doing this and had complaints against him for years, and they promoted him. <laughs> y- yeah, uh, that, of all that things. Does, that does not look good. So that's a big black eye for DC. Oh. Anything else to say on the subject? If you happen to be in any of these realms of entertainment and uh, working for these people, and something like harassment or misconduct or assault has happened to you, speak up. 
Yeah, there's. I, I mean, it, it's hard to say that to a person who's afraid for their career, or afraid about their job, or afraid of being about being blackballed, or afraid that maybe they're just in. You know, maybe they're scared that they're interpreting it too much. You know, oh, you know, he had his hand on my ass during a picture take. You know, uh, maybe I imagined the squeezing or whatever. Maybe he was just trying to put his hand in the small of the back and didn't realize it was on my ass. You know, those sorts of things. Yeah, and th- so they they second guess themselves and they don't see it as an assault or as a sexual misconduct but you know this is the reason why we have give human yourself, resource departments yeah, give so your, that we can go over exactly like what what is and is not acceptable and more and, or less the common sense that should be played here absolutely and in a lot of these cases it's a human resource failure especially on dc's end oh yeah uh, because it was reported what i do recommend for anybody male female transgendered whatever if you feel that something has been inappropriate or something has been said or done or whatever, first and foremost, make a paper trail. Make a paper trail. Yeah. You know, make a diary entry. Uh, you know, don't put them on blast on social media because then you might get sued. But, you know. Yeah. It's, put a complaint into whatever HR department you have. Maybe tell, you know, other people employees there so people are aware and it's not just some forbidden hidden secret that nobody knows about you know that you yeah. have to deal with it, it needs to be made known or Make documented sure, yeah document it at the very least in some way whether it be through a personal diary entry that can't be like replicated and uh you know through hr <laughs> through a person just write a statement to a friend or a co-worker and say on this date blah 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 hand it to them and trust them to hold on to it in case it happens again and for smaller things, maybe consider talking to them about it. Say, hey, uh, the way you hugged me yesterday, that was not okay. It made me feel really uncomfortable. And I, I would probably guess that 75% of the time, the other party involved will go, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that that made you uncomfortable. You know, I considered us closer friends than that. I I am so sorry. It won't happen again. Yeah, uh, that, that would be uh, the way that I would hope things were handled like uh, with mature parties. Yeah. Again, we're all adults here, so, you know, yeah. things are bound to happen on occasion, especially when alcohol is involved. But, yeah, I people think are liable to overstep boundaries. When things aren't as severe as, say, direct assault or rape, um, those obviously, you need security there. <laughs> you, yeah. You shouldn't approach the other party in that case, but... Uh, for smaller things like things that could be perceived as, you know, sexual misconduct, you know, sexual behavior around you, you know, maybe make a record of it first and then talk to the party, you know, say, hey, that made me uncomfortable. What you did was not OK. You know, uh, I, and explain how you felt. And I guarantee you probably three fourths of the time you're, you're going to be okay and things are going to work out fine and they're going to realize the way, the mistake of their ways <laughs> and they may be so embarrassed. They won't even talk to you again, you know, outside of work necessary uh, yeah. options. So just, just uh, handle things with care uh, out there. If you do feel like something has happened in the past, um, make sure you <laughs> make sure it actually was what you think it was before you put them on blast on say a social media or something, because once it hits Twitter and Instagram and whatever else, that's permanent. No, that's on the internet forever, whether it's true or not. And you can really ruin someone's life and reputation, uh, and possibly get yourself sued. (laughs) If, if what you're alleging happened 
didn't actually happen or wasn't the severity that you presented it as. Um, so just a word of caution, but also... <laughs> Uh, also don't be afraid don't don't be afraid to come forward and create a record you know uh, and defend yourself when you need it Um, obviously these cases for the most part are pretty straightforward louis ck admitting it kevin spacey trying to hide it and dodge it harry weinstein pretty much admitting it but saying fuck you i'm under contract i'm good (laughs) you know yeah um so there's there's different degrees of this things like Bill Cosby for example. Ooh. That one he, oh. even though he managed to get away <laughs> from the, you know, the time stipulation, I forget what the legal term is, but uh he had so many accusers and after everything came to light, that's when people were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we knew about it." You know, we always told our friends, you know, don't stay away from Cosby. He's the he'll he's a fucking weirdo, and he'll try to drug you and you know fuck fuck with you or something. You know, Jesus. So it was known. <laughs> this is a culture that was known in Hollywood. Same with the Corey Feldman stuff. You know, Corey yeah, Haim stuff. This is, this is stuff that has been reported and you know talked about, but of course names couldn't be said because they were afraid they were going to have the, the shit suit out of them. You know. Yeah, and they wouldn't be able to work again. <laughs> you know, like these people are in need of legal protection. So or things like that. There, there's a lot Co- of Corey Feldman specifically. Yeah, there's a lot of gross things yeah. involved here, and uh, thankfully we're in an age where you can come forward with these things. But uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see how this all evolves, particularly in the comic world with Eddie Braganza, and we'll see who takes over his his place as chief editor. Yeah. So. Ah, uh, big, big bummer there. So let's go out on a happy note. Next up in the news, Injustice 2 has just announced uh, some more DLC characters. And yeah. you'll never guess who's among them. <laughs> not one, not two, not three, but all four of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all are coming four of them. to Injustice 2. <sighs> along with, uh, with Raiden, <laughs> uh, Hellboy... <laughs> <laughs> Sub-Zero. Um, and in this particular week, we have the addition of Enchantress and the Atom. Yep. So what do you think about this? Uh, uh, for- I, I'm really <clears throat> curious as to how they'll <clears throat> implement that. Because in the trailer itself, they uh, I forget if it's uh, either Mikey or uh, Raphael who says, yeah, let me at him. And uh, Leonardo quickly steps in and says, we fight as a team. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they might be interchangeable characters. You know, maybe it's their power or whatever. Yeah. You switch turtles. (laughs) Like, you could switch turtles or maybe, like, a turtle comes out when you do a certain move or something like that. Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting just implementation of... A set of characters. Yeah. It's like it's not just one. It's not two. It's not three. It's <laughs> four. It will be either be the greatest thing ever, or it will be game breaking. <laughs> it could go either way. Oh yeah. I have a feeling it's not going to be welcome at tournaments. We'll we'll find out. But it's pretty awesome that Injustice Two has been getting these non Mortal Kombat, non DC char- 
characters involved, you know, like Hellboy and the Ninja yeah. Turtles. Yeah, these are quite the guest characters that they've managed to uh, wrangle about. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I, I know you love the game. Again, I still need to actually play through it but <laughs> yeah uh, um, i got it in the i got it in waiting there yeah i i'm looking forward to my the the one fight in a video game that i have yet to have batman versus the ninja turtles <laughs> <laughs> yeah it should be interesting oh yeah we'll see uh all comics from Image's upcoming anthology collection will donate a portion of their profits to the survivors of the Las Vegas shootings and their families. So, let's end on a happy note for the news items. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty happy note. That is really cool that they're doing that. If there wasn't enough reason to like Image Comics, <laughs> we we talk about Image all the time. We love that they don't like cover the, the, the front of their covers with banners like this and nonsense. And they don't put the barcode on the front. It, Image puts it on the back where it should be, so you can appreciate the gorgeous cover art. Yeah, they know uh, what they're doing. They always have unique adult stories and you know a few kids stories in there. They yeah, have awesome books, awesome writers, awesome artwork. Uh, they're owned by great artists and <laughs> writers. So um, they have Invincible. Uh, they're not in L.A. <laughs> uh, yes, they're also not in L.A. So there's uh, just, stay strong, Image. There's just a ton of great stuff that Image has been doing in this this charity. Charity yeah. Drive with anth- their anthology collection is just the latest and greatest, you know, move for Image and their reputation. Uh, can I just say that uh, their Spawn movie cannot come soon enough? <laughs> it's like they, these guys deserve a big win. Yeah, so they got a, a lot of good things going. Oh and, yeah, uh, hopefully they get more going. Yeah. Uh, uh, with that said. Uh, my heart goes out to the victims of the uh, Las Vegas mass shooting. Uh, that yeah. was that was a terrible tragedy. Uh, like, thank you to Image for stepping up there. I can't even imagine being at a concert and just having gunfire rain down on you. you know, yeah. Again, I was an infantryman in the army, but like in the states, you know, you don't you don't even consider these things like a possibility, right. especially at a country concert of all things, you know. Yeah. It, it seems uh, like the most unlikely of places for something like that to happen. Yeah. Uh just a guy with no real agenda just doing it cuz he could, I guess, you know. I guess it's... it ran in his family. His father was a serial bank robber apparently. So. <laughs> uh, y- yeah, shit. <laughs> so there's there's something there. Maybe, you know, maybe a screening process. You know, I'm all for the Second Amendment. Again, <laughs> infantry veteran. You, you used to be a scout sniper. I love my rifles. I love my guns. But you should probably have to have some kind of mental <laughs> uh, yes. examination. Uh, like, and, you know, you, you have to get an exam for your driver's license and demonstrate that you can operate a car safely. You should probably have to do the same thing for a weapon, a uh, firearm. Y- yes. Uh, yes, you should. Your rights are not being impeded by going through a screening process to ensure that you are mentally capable and physically uh, able to operate these things safely. <laughs> yeah, th- this I, I is both that's... ensuring... That would be both ensuring a right and ensuring at least one level of protection. Yeah. And if you disagree, you're you're more than welcome to. If you don't think that's strict enough, you're more than welcome to disagree in that direction as well. But for me personally, as a person who does handle firearms on a regular basis and has been trained extensively in the use of firearms and used them in the field, um, 
I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be mentally screened. If you have a history of, say, suicidal actions or, you know, if you have, you know, felonies, violent felonies on your record, you you, you probably shouldn't, domestic abuse, yeah. you probably shouldn't be allowed to have a firearm, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's probably no. It's probably something there. If you've been committed to any kind of mental health facility for whatever reason, you, there should probably be at least a period <laughs> where you cannot yeah purchase a firearm uh, and again there's loopholes where you can go to like gun shows and give them cash and walk right out but you know there'll always be loopholes but i think you could prevent a few extra things yeah with just but, some common sense stuff you know yeah there, there's definitely more ways than one to further promote uh the prevention of weapons getting into the hands of the mentally unstable yeah uh and that, my friends, is the news. Uh, again, we wanted to ha- end on a happy <laughs> note, but then we got into a very dark place very quickly. We, we, we tried. <laughs> we tried, guys. Um, maybe, maybe things will get better next week. Nah, Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> so who wants to know what we're hitting up this week? Uh, I think I do. <laughs> well... Chris, well, what have, are we what what books are we hitting up this week? Well, Emory, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh from Marvel Comics, we have Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, number ten, Legacy, with a very cool cover. Mm. We have Black Panther Prelude, number two. We have Champions, number fourteen, Legacy. We have Deadpool versus Old Man Logan, number two. We have Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, excuse me. Before that, we have Doctor Strange, number 381. We have Guardians of the Galaxy, number 147, Legacy. We have Hawkeye, number 12. (laughs) We have Not Brand, ECHH, number 14. We have Secret Warriors, number 8, Legacy. We have Spider-Man 2, number 4. (laughs) <laughs> we have Star Wars uh, Star Wars Darth Vader number 8 we have Star Wars Dr. Afra, number 14 fucking nerds we have The Amazing Spider-Man number 791 uh, Legacy Legacy again we have uh. The Defenders number 7 Legacy I swear to god we have The Incredible Hulk number 710 Legacy. Oh my god, we get it. We have <laughs> The Mighty Thor, number 701. Legacy. Marvel. Mm, we <laughs> have, keep doing this shit. We have The Punisher, number 218. Legacy. Son of a bitch. <laughs> we have Weapon X, number 11. And finally, X-Men Blue, number 15. Legacy. <sighs> From DC Comics, we have Aquaman, number 30. We have Batman, number 35. We have Batwoman, number 9. We have Bombshells United, number 6. We have Future Quest Showcase. Space goes coast to coast. Hey! Number 4. We need a Brack comic. (laughs) We really do. Yeah, give me the Brack. We have Green Lanterns, number 35. We have Injustice 2, number 14. We have Justice League, number 33. We have Nightwing, number 33. We have Super Sons, number 10. 
We have Superman, number 35. We have the Batman Who Laughs, number one, Metal. I just want to say something about these comics. I haven't read them, but the premise is dumb. (laughs) And the covers are horrible. (laughs) They're like this shiny aluminum color. And they're awful. They look horrible on the shelves, man. I would not want to buy those and display those. They're hideous. Oh, wait. You don't want more Batman. Yeah, we you don't want... Evil Batman. You don't want uh, Water Batman. Evil Flash Batman. Or, yeah, Evil Fast Batman. Evil Bat Lantern. Or Evil uh, Bat Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It's too much. It's too much. Uh, like, uh, 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 all of I, that Batman is fucking dumb, again, but j- Batman White Knight... <laughs> Ooh, great. Yes. <laughs> but yes, these these metal books, I, I don't like the raw premise. Again, I haven't read them. Maybe there, there's good Something writing there. in there. Uh, I would hope so with the, the writers that are attached to it. But the covers are atrocious. They're awful. <laughs> They're awful covers. Not the art themselves, but what they did to the art by laminating it with this aluminum, shiny, dark nonsense. It's like it's too dark to be shiny. It doesn't yeah. come off well. It just looks like a a dark, blobby <laughs> reflection that just kind of blinds you at the same time, you know? It's almost like they were trying to go for, what if this comic looked like there was, like, metal in the cover? Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think that's what they were going for, but it, it the execution is very poor. Oh. Um, again, maybe the internal aspect of it, maybe the, the actual writing is good, but I... Just the premise alone was enough to be like, ooh, I might skip this one. I, I remember reading a bit of Batman the Drowned. No good? I mean, the concept seems pretty like hardcore just because it's like, oh, this is a part of the universe where like, for everything that happens in a good universe, this is where like the reverse of all of the good stuff happens, where it's just like everything's shit. Yeah. Um, that would be good for like one like six issue run that's on its own like an elseworld story yeah to have this stretched out into like a company wide event it's oh. a little much yeah it's a little much yeah uh and this is main continuity by the way again another it, problem it, i have with rebirth it, yeah um Ugh. But we'll forget about that for now. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, The Wild Storm, number nine. Great comic series. Read it. Plus, Grifter. Uh, duh. It, it, duh. <laughs> Guys, read Grifter. He's great. We have uh, Trinity, number 15. We have Wonder Woman and Conan, number three, as the final book there. Wonder Woman. From Dynamite Entertainment, we have Fruit Ninja, number three. Wait, but why though? You know reasons. Uh, it's swipe. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Dresden Files, Dogmen number six. Oh yeah, and that wraps that, up Dynamite. That, that's my boy. Um, uh, from Image Comics. Again, remember anthology collections. Profits go to charity. So for the Las Vegas shooting. Yeah, just remember that. Um, we have Dark Fang number one. We have East of West number 35 we have evolution number one generation gone number five horizon number 16 
Invincible, number 142. Kill the Minotaur, number six. A book we liked and was a previous cover of the week, and it the content did match the drapes. <laughs> Maestros, number two. Oh. Great book. Pick up one and two if you haven't already. Uh, adult. <laughs> Very adult. Uh, if you for, for do not any, give this to your children. Yeah, for anyone listening, this is an 18 and older book. I would probably say maybe 19 or 20. Yeah, but, uh, it's, <laughs> it's pretty mature. Yes, it's very, very mature. Gore, sexual content, language, you name it. <laughs> it you name it, this book's got it. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah. Uh, so Maestro's number two. Next up, Mage, The Hero Denied, number four. Retcon, number three. Ringside, number 13. The Family Trade, number two. And that wraps up Inge. From Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time Comics, number 17. We have Fence, number one. And that's fence as in fencing with a sword. Um, <laughs> we have Mech Cadet U, number four. We have Misfit City, number seven. We have Over the Garden Wall, number 20. And WWE Survivor Series 2017 Special, number one. Brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, from Titan Books, we have Hercules, Wrath of the Heavens, number four. And that's it from Titan. From Dark Horse Comics, we have American Gods, Shadows, number nine. We have Briggsland, Lone Wolves, number six. We have Jenny Finn, number one. And finally, Rasputin, Voice of the Dragon, number one. Ra, ra, Rasputin. From Aftershock Comics, we have Baby Teeth, number six. Uh, Unholy Grail, number four. From Lion Forge Comics, we have Catalyst Prime, Incidentals, number four. We have Voltron, Legendary Defender, number four. From Archie Comics, we have Betty and Veronica Comics, Double Digest, number 258. From Vertigo, we have Bug, The Adventures of Forager, number 5. And he is but a bug. I am but a bug. <laughs> uh, and then we have The American Way, Those Above and Below, number 4. From Vault Comics, we have Soja Can, number 2, and Alien... Alien Bounty Hunter, number two. And that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Now it's time to hand out the prestigious, nay life-changing, award of cover and variant cover of the week. Ah. As awarded by your Hit the Books podcast hosts. Yeah, that's right. First up, we have Batwoman, number nine, drawn by Fernando Blanco. Who drew this uh, very, very cool Scarecrow-inspired Batwoman, where she's wearing the uh, bugles on her <laughs> on her finger and reaching out. No, she has the, the little needles that you see in like the Injustice version yeah. of uh, Scarecrow there. Mm, finger syringes. Yeah. So that's it's a pretty awesome cover. I, I, I will criticize the cover on this aspect. I know it has nothing to do with the artist himself. DC has to put their giant rebirth 
<laughs> banner over it with their advertisements and the tie-in line and just every so, nonsensical thing so you don't a, want on your cover. Yeah, so there's a large section yes. of this cover that's uh, being covered yes. by their, their branding. And not a, in yeah. a good way. I don't understand why they keep doing this. All the books that they're going to probably translate to Vertigo eventually have clear, concise covers with just the small DC and the small issue number, the price, and then, yes, they have the barcode, but it's tolerable. For their main continuity books, they still have the big, obnoxious Rebirth banner. (laughs) We get it, but Rebirth (laughs) Rebirth and Convergence and all that stuff happened like a year and a half ago, maybe more. (laughs) It's been going on for a while. You don't have to keep advertising that it's a Rebirth title. Right. Please take those big, obnoxious banners off the top of the art, because we can't see the art. Right. Like... You guys need to be able to trust us to understand what it is that we're buying. And this one is particularly bad because the hand is, you know, up on the left corner and the banner goes over the hand and like parts of the artwork in the top left corner. That is important to the the whole picture. Right. (laughs) So obscuring like part of the reason why you bought the comic in the first place. Yeah. But uh, shout out to Franco Blanco for, or excuse me, Fernando Blanco for this great cover. And, um, Hope to see more from you. Next up, our variant cover of the week goes to IDW's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 76, one out of 25 cover variant by Kevin Eastman. And this this cover is pretty, pretty baller. Uh, it just has like these broad brush strokes. Um, it has kind of the, um, I don't know if Eastman was the one who did the Batman Ninja Turtles crossover book, but it looks very much in that vein. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it it comes to no surprise that it is as limited as it is, given that uh, Eastman was one of the two people that came up with the turtles in the first place. Yeah, but it's no surprise <laughs> that this is our cover of the week, uh, seeing that Injustice just announced the four Ninja Turtles being the <laughs> uh, DLC additional character, along with Enchantress and. Um, and the uh, atom the atom yeah for the new injustice game so um that's not why it's the cover <laughs> but <laughs> this cover just happened to come out in a great week for the ninja turtles oh yeah uh, announcement wise uh, yeah eastman knows how to make these turtles pop but eastman did a great job with like using light from the sunrise i'm guessing there uh silhouetting the turtles as they're all jumping in acrobatic poses with their weapons out and stuff you know jumping leonardo Obviously, leading <laughs> leading the charge from the front. Of course, um, great, just a great overall co- cover. It just great job, Eastman. This yeah, is awesome. But I think it, this one's probably worth the investment if you like Ninja Turtles at all. Oh yeah, I would um, easily frame this. So, congratulations to Kevin Eastman for being our uh, variant cover of the week. Remember. You can always check out if the content matches the drapes the following week on our next podcast if you want to know if the writing was just as good as the artwork on the outside. Um, So be sure to check that out the following Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each discuss the topic of our choosing about the world of comics. Emery, what's your topic this week? My topic this week is when a gimmick doesn't work. Wow. <laughs> you don't think there's any f- foreshadowing to this topic? N- none at all. <laughs> uh, quite a bit with this one, but more so with the the issue that I picked up 
uh, with uh, it was Spider Man on the the cover of a Venom comic. Yeah, and it's just something about the way that the holographic uh, image just it doesn't blend. It, it, well, he, here's the thing: it does blend. It blends to the point where I can't tell what the fuck I'm seeing. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's the thing that's counterintuitive to the concept of having a cover on the front of a comic book. I yeah. like I want to be able to enjoy or maybe even display like what it is that I just purchased. Yeah. And I can't. I can't because I can't for the life of me think that I would ever want to nail something to my wall that I can't tell what it is case in point <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the moon knight variant for those of uh you that are not watching our our youtube video uh again the advertisement i would absolutely hang up the advertisement on the back for avengers no surrender y- yeah but the moon knight cover itself looks like garbage y- yeah he's not really doing anything uh, <laughs> uh i mean i guess the guy in the background kind of does something but that's about it the thing about this is that I remember being really into these things as a child. Well, I will say this. For the holographics themselves, DC tried to start a trend, I think, in 2011, 2012, maybe. It was yeah. in the middle of the New 52 is when they were doing their uh, Forever Evil line. Or no, it was before that. The first time they did it, it was... Uh, no, I'm right. It was Forever Evil. Yeah. Uh, they did uh, a big, huge uh, variant issue of just about every comic they had at the time. And again, this is right after New 52 had like officially launched. So it was it was a big event. There yeah. was a lot of variants. But basically, they took just about every book they had and took at least one, if not up to four villains from that character's line. So obviously... Detective Comics had a bunch. Batman had a bunch. Batman and Robin had a bunch. You know, <laughs> because Batman's Rogue Gallery is the best one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they took all of these covers. They made a unique story for the villain. It was so it would be like Batman uh, issue twenty three point two or twenty three point three. You know, and it would each one would be about a specific villain. And they had really really cool uh, holographic. Uh, portraits of the villains doing something cool you know and it was they they were very like two-stage animations very simple so you didn't have this weird blending like you have in this one where it looks like they tried to do like four different animations into one and it just doesn't blend well <sighs> um but those forever evil ones were fantastic i i try to collect every one i think the only one i'm missing is deathstroke and that's why i don't have them framed um but I adored those ones, and I sought out every single one I could because they looked awesome, and they were full page. They, you know, they didn't have the the banners taking up any space. It wasn't like this Moon Knight one, which just has one bar. You know, it's fine for a standalone art piece, but when you're trying to animate it and make it move <laughs> and stuff, it looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's too it's too dark for holographic. One thing about holographics is they need bright colors. And that's what DC's Forever Evil line did well. They put bright colors and cool context, and you you might see the hero in the background, you know, tied up or something, you know, and the villain doing something animated, or, you know, maybe uh, for Darkseid, he had his laser beams, his omega beams shooting out of his eyes on one angle, and then the other angle, he was just, you know, standing there with his eyes glowing, and, you know, 
um joker would throw like the laughing teeth or whatever um and then they blow up or whatever in the next panel and yeah they just had all the cool things you could imagine and i that was when it was done well i have yet to see an iteration of this done well since that forever evil event and it Ugh. i know for a fact that it made them a lot of money uh, yeah because it was so liked and so cool and unique and I don't know if they had done it before, if issues had been done like that before, but it was definitely unique to the period. And um, the following year, they tried to cash in on this again, (laughs) and it did not go as well. Um, For the Forever Evil storyline that was 52 issues long for the Batman, or the Future's End, excuse me, the Future End storyline with uh, Batman Beyond, um. They tried to do variants for that where they had the current versions of all these new 52 characters or villains or whatever the case was, depending on the book. And then you would flip it and it would be the future version of whatever. And it could have been a cool concept, except instead of doing the full page like they had done previously, this time they opted to put a huge border around a tiny portrait in the 3D art. So the 3D art itself was, I would say, about a quarter of the page. Just about right in the of middle. The, of the, yes, of the total surface area. It was about oh. a quarter of the page. And you run into two big problems with this. One, you're screwing the, the people that want to collect these covers. You know, They want a big image that they can display in their home, as you can see behind us. Um, they don't want a little bordered portrait, you know. They're they're going yeah. to provide their own border <laughs> when they hang these things up. Um, and the second problem you run into is that the image gets shrunk so small because of these big purple borders or red borders or whatever they use for that specific comic. Uh, for some reason, the Harley Quinn one keeps popping in my head where they had you know uh, Joker and her fight or getting married or something, and then the future version like Harley's trying to kill him or something, you know. <laughs> But the thing is, the the images were so drastically different that they didn't blend well, like you were saying for these Marvel ones. They didn't blend well because they were drastically different images. It wasn't like the Forever Evil ones where it's just same character and then the character does an action in the same like context. Yeah. This was completely different context, completely different setting. Even the border might have some like rain on it. I think that's what they were trying to do, but it just wasn't executed well. The border was way too big. The image was way too small to hold the detail it was trying to depict. And since the whole image was in the center, when you do the transition, it wasn't smooth. It was all blurred. Like you, I don't think I could hold it at any angle and have the full image one way or the other appear. It was always blended. That and is actually the experience that I had with uh, the issue of Venom that I got. Yeah, and I can see that with Moon Knight, clearly, you know, where they tried to do a little thing, but it just blends so much that it just doesn't work. You can't get a single still image. The The ideal way was... If you approach this comic from one direction, you see one thing, and then as you walk by, you see the other thing from the opposite, you know, angle, right. based on how the light bounces off of it. That's the ideal picture, and you, for that, you need simple but vivid artwork uh, in the same or at least a similar context. You know, in this case, uh, it's similar context, but it's such a small image compared to the rest of the cover. 
um, that they don't have enough room to work with, and they use dark colors because it's just gray and black. And because of the hologram effect, it diminishes how vivid the colors are on the cover. So uh, I haven't seen it from DC since that Future's End storyline, and I think that was three years ago, two or three years ago now. So DC probably wised up. I think they realized, though, they lost a lot of money. At least shop owners probably lost a lot of money on that. Because they yeah. expected it to be as collectible as the Forever Evil one with all the villains, and it was not. So, uh, it's not that the concept doesn't work. It's just in practice, the second iteration where they tried to shrink everything down and put these borders on them or whatever. It just it was just a bad way of going about it, you know. Um, so there is a right way to do this. It's not a a horrible thing to do, um, and it's nice. As long as you have the alternative, if you, if we could go into the comic shop and just pick up this cover, that would be great. Yeah, but I would have preferred that. You can't. <laughs> They're all this. Yeah. So that was oh. another thing that at least DC did right. They gave you both options, both times. Um, I would have liked that. <laughs> they did not for <laughs> these Marvel ones, at least from what I've seen this past week. Yeah. Uh, other gimmicks we talked about. Obviously, the metal yeah. books. Where oh, they're trying yeah, to yeah. The, uh, make it a metal-looking cover, but all they do, because the colors are so dark and the artwork isn't great, <laughs> uh, it, it just it looks like a big, silvery, like, dark blob. Shiny, blobular colors. Yeah. You, can't, which... you can't read what's on the title there. You can't really make out always what's going on unless you look real close sometimes. Now, that is the type of thing that... That would... That would just push me away from a book that I might have been considering. Yeah. But in like seeing something like that and just like, no. It's funny you say that because that's exactly what happened to me. I looked at those books and I was like, what the hell is that? It's like, I can't even make out what it is. And I pulled it out. I was like, is this supposed to be the metal cover? Is that what these are? <laughs> and then I started seeing them like every week and I was like, ugh. Like, they look so horrible on the shelves. Like, how can comic shop owners hope to even, like, push these out, you know? Right. It's just, it's awful. It just, it doesn't sit well on the shelf. I don't, like, I don't know if they do a test run of these before they go, all right, order the whole thing. You know, I hope they do. Right. It would make sense. But it, I kind of feel like. It needs to be, like, an editor, like, yeah. overlooking that last bit, like, concerning the cover art. Exactly. And I feel like, in this case, you know, they probably. I feel like if I wasn't giving them the benefit of the doubt, you know, they did just like come up with the concept and go, that sounds cool and <laughs> ordered it and it didn't come out like they thought it would. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, so, uh, shit, this is awful. Yeah. Let's commit to our decision. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> there there are the shiny covers from time to time. Uh, I remember, especially in the 90s, I think the first issue of Robin I have the first the, the first printing of the first Robin book in the 90s that I have yeah. was one of those shiny, like, kind of hardcover issues. And I still have it. I like I like that okay. Um, I want to say Valiant. I'm pretty sure it was Valiant uh, for all of their initial books. You know, uh, Bloodshot and stuff. Like, when they started, all of their covers were shiny. <laughs> and it was the worst <laughs> it was the worst they are so oh. hideous and i have a few of them but they are hideous they are 
ugly. <laughs> that is that is a shame. Yeah. That, that that could that that's the kind of thing that could sink that could sink an up and coming comic book company. Absolutely. And I think they were trying to like get the flashy cool things to get the kids to buy them off the shelves, but I think especially in today's market you're not really seeing kids as much purchasing yeah. these books. Usually what happens is the adult or the older teenager in the house likes comics and takes their you know, son, daughter, younger sister, brother, cousin, whatever, to the shop with them. And then they go, uh, uh, there's a kid's section. Go grab one and I'll go. <laughs> I'll, I'll go get what I want, you know. Right. And you can get one or two while we're here. You know, that's usually what I've seen happen. But, you know, I mean. Yeah. It just seems like there are tactics that would work on a child that yeah. it, they just they, they don't work on someone like me anymore yeah i mean let's talk about the elephant in the room here um variants in general are a gimmick oh true or false yeah yeah i mean the the concept of doing a variant cover to sell an issue of a comic book that's already been out yeah yes that is a gimmick so uh i think this has become i wouldn't say a problem because obviously it's selling well enough for them to keep doing it yeah. between DC and Marvel specifically. Um, <laughs> maybe, you know, <laughs> we talk about IDW and Dynamite, you know, having nothing but variants every week too. So Yeah, that's true. Um, there's other examples out there, but <clears throat> I think at a point you wonder about what the costs of making all of these different variants every week. Like they had the action figure uh, variants, which are awful. Yeah. They had the album cover variants, which could have been cool. But the way they had the banner over them, like the big red Marvel banner, and then like the digital first now banner on the bottom, and then like the artwork itself was boxed in a corner instead of being the full page because again, album arts are square, <laughs> so it's kind of right. hard to put it on a comic book, which is eight by eleven. You know, I'm not eight by eleven, but you know, somewhere around there. It just uh, probably probably closer to like seven point five by eleven or whatever. But yeah. I, um, I- they just didn't work, <laughs> and DC's had a lot of hits and misses. Like I, I like when they did like their monster variants for Halloween. That was cool. Uh, I don't think they did it this year, unfortunately. But they had some variant collections that were really cool. The steampunk ones were super collectible. Those ones were gone in a heartbeat. I couldn't. I still have less than half that collection because I just couldn't find them. I went in the day of, and <laughs> they would be gone because they were so collectible and so cool. Yeah. Um, the Forever Evil was a good example. The Holograms, um, The Future's End was not. <laughs> um, but they've they've done shiny covers, which I was like, oh, that doesn't look good. I mean, they've done, you know, they have guest artists on, which is what variants are supposed to be. Variants traditionally have been, uh, we're releasing this issue or we're releasing the first issue of this new book. And we brought in a few guest artists to come make some variant covers. You know, we have a... A few one in fifties, we have a few one in a hundreds, we have, you know, a few one in twenty fives, you name it. Um But <laughs> recently it's just been a flood of variant covers and I think it in it of itself is a gimmick to attempt to sell two yeah. issues <laughs> to the same collector or something, you know, that just you know, has to have that issue. Which in there's pros and cons to that particular gimmick. It's like you can, as a company, 
see that as a way for someone to say maybe look at that book uh-huh. when uh, they didn't look at it before it's like oh that's yeah. an interesting cover which is demonstrated by our variant cover of the week segment and then buying it to read the content oh yeah uh but then there's the uh the negative portion of that where and this has happened to me i think a couple times where i would buy what turned out to be a variant cover of an issue that came out already and I will have bought it, not with the intent of actually getting the, the variant cover yeah. to like be different. Uh, and I would think to myself, did I just buy the same comic book twice? Yeah. Is like, did I just go in here and say, eh, that one, that looks cool. Mm-hmm. Wait, I already have this. Yeah, I've definitely been burned by that before, especially if I buy it the the week it comes out, and then I go back a week later or two weeks later, and I see it, yeah. you know, the variant of it, and I don't realize it's the same fucking issue. Like, uh, so, yeah, I've been burned by that before. Uh, I'll be making a few more instructional videos after this initial launch, uh, one of which will be how to identify first, second, third printings, how to identify variants from the original cover if you don't already know which one is the right one. Um based on the serial numbers so look forward to that too um our current instructional listing that's going to be up hopefully by wednesday um guiding you through uh bagging and boarding guiding you through how to construct your box properly and <laughs> if you're if you're getting resistance from the box you're probably doing it wrong uh, yeah you should not be getting resistance from the box <laughs> um it, the, the box should be pretty straightforward how i demonstrate how to organize your collection inside the box and make sure that they're not falling over on themselves and damaging themselves how to protect the the outside comics from being damaged by your fingers when you put them through the holes to pick it up um how to label your comics inside with boards and uh um sticky notes um just just a bunch of tips to help you out how to you know very very cheaply frame and mat your comics and make them very nice looking as you see behind us um so definitely check those instructional videos out on our youtube channel again we want the visual media or medium for um instructional content so you got to check out our youtube channel for that hit the books on youtube um so just put it in the search bar because we don't have a vanity url from youtube yet um not yet put it in the search bar hit the books Hit the Books Podcast will pop up <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> um, any other gimmicks you wanted to discuss? Uh, Specifically for comics? Well, I mean, I, making I making a comic book series based on a statue, <laughs> as we had with Gotham City Garage. Uh, yeah, that, that just has a issue. lot of, like... That's just a gimmick. Very clear issues. Yeah. Uh, I think that... Uh, at the core of what I'm bringing up is putting out a quality product and not trying to rely so much on something that is going to sell that thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I've got to say about that. Uh, it, any of you watching, if you have any uh, gimmicks that you'd like to tell us about, Go ahead and leave that in the comments. <laughs> All right. Well, on to my topic, I suppose. Um, I want to discuss in, in the wake of uh, Bendis leaving Marvel and going to DC. There's been a lot of Twitter chatter and media chatter, uh, both positive and negative, about 
his his record with Marvel and the stories he's written and the changes he's made. For example, he made very recently he made a situation where um, Iceman is homosexual and is dealing with these um, issues with his immediate family, with his fellow mutants, with obviously the people he's had previous heterosexual romantic relationships with after coming out. Um, so that's been an interesting dynamic. I know you weren't as hot on it, but I thought it was a, a, a cool dynamic. Um, uh, I mean, it's an interesting one. It's just that um, specifically for Iceman's parents, he kind of uh, goes back on what they were and kind of rewrites them to fit the narrative. Yeah. Which is something I kind of take issue with. Okay. Um, again, I haven't read it. I just all I know is the premise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's all I'm basing this off of. But um, there's other things he's done that I probably agree with the kind of Twitter chatter a bit. You know, with the big events that he's been involved with at Marvel. Um, uh, Riri Williams, I have a lot of issues with. Ooh. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of our prior topic, gimmicks. You know. Yeah. <laughs> taking a current mainstream character and changing their sex gender identity history and applying all of that without good context <laughs> just right. to sell more issues or be patted on the back for being more diverse or whatever whatever the case may be um without yeah. without the content to warrant it um i take issue with that and i think bendis has been a big proprietor of that um um but he's also had great you know, narrative lines with say Daredevil and Alias. Um, yeah, great runs there. I haven't read the Avengers runs, but I've heard they're good. I've never really cared about the Avengers personally, but uh, Ultimate Spider Man. I'll put Ultimate, that in there. Ultimate Spider Man with Miles Morales. Um, which obviously Spider Man Homecoming takes a lot from. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I yes, think uh, Spider Man Homecoming has a lot to thank Bendis, Bendis for. for. Oh yeah, yeah. easily. Um. But I was wondering, how do you think companies like Marvel, like DC, like Image, like Vertigo, you know, name anything, how how should they handle these kind of criticisms over the internet? And which ones should they take account of? For example, should they be looking at all the Twitter chatter about, you know, criticisms of storylines or like we've been very critical of Rebirth? Now, granted, fans have been critical of Rebirth for DC, but the media in general has been applauding Rebirth because it gave it gave everybody a little bit of what they wanted. <laughs> but in my opinion, as a fan who reads these books, I feel yeah. like the whole is diluted severely by trying to give everybody what they wanted. Whereas New 52, they tried something new. They gave writers a new foothold to try something new. And I think that was good, and they, should, they probably should have stuck with it. <laughs> you know, if you want to tweak something, you know, whatever. You know, have a flash event, <laughs> but don't do this thing like Marvel did. Also, did with you know the Secret Wars or whatever, uh, where they just put everything in a hodgepodge together, make them fight, oh. <laughs> and keep the ones they like the most. You know, yeah, um, I, that I did. I was not on board for, um, and we've co- talked about continuity in general. So, um, these are the types of criticisms that we have as fans, but then the media also tends to applaud them for things that fans might not always do uh right. and you know on social media 
you usually don't hear as much of the encouragement, although I think it's getting better now as the social media age evolves. Yeah. I know I try little by little. I, I try to put out positive stuff. I mean, recently DC, you can check my Twitter at HalenFox27. Um <laughs> uh I, I put uh, maybe it was actually on the Hit the Books post. It was probably in Hit the Books. Oh, H- yeah. At HTV Vids on Twitter. But DC had advertised their tie-in comic for the uh, Batman and Harley Quinn movie, the animated movie, where they have right, a, a, notorious scene, a notorious scene where Nightwing basically gets raped by Harley Quinn, <laughs> um, but is like okay with it, I guess. It, it, yeah. She literally knocks him out, ties him to the bed, and then has sex with him involuntarily. <laughs> um <laughs> But apparently we're going to applaud this and say it's cool because, you know, it's Harley. <laughs> well, well, in the uh, but then animated movie, it, it's more that uh, he does get knocked out and tied up, but he wakes up before yeah, any but he of does, happens. He clearly doesn't consent. He's just like oh, uh, raised eyebrow. Ooh. <laughs> like, like, wait, hold on. And then he, <laughs> she just does her thing and he's he's totally cool with it, you know. This right. fucking nasty girl that's had her pussy on Joker's dick. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. In this comic, they drive it extra hard before this event has even taken place where he goes to that superhero cafe or whatever. Yeah. And th- literally the DC count goes, Nightwing's extra thirsty. And <gasps> it, the panels show Nightwing going through this club looking at the Harley Quinn waitress. And then oh my she God. turns around and it's not the real Harley Quinn. And he goes... You don't have what I'm craving. And he walks away. (laughs) And then as he's walking away, the waitress stares at his ass as he walks away. Oh, my God. And all all I posted, I retweeted it and then put facepalm. It's just so bad. And I I hate that there's... That was too much. That was way too much. You know, I tweet that facepalm. Subtle criticism, I think, is pretty clear, and I think the the panel itself speaks for itself as being cringeworthy. Yeah, and I think DC Animated has had a few of these cringeworthy moments this past year, uh, especially with um, Batman having sex with Batgirl for no reason. Oh. Uh, just <laughs> I, I, at, I at forgot the, about at that at the beginning of the movie for no reason, um, and a very good arc, but in a very poorly executed movie, unfortunately. Hashtag bad um, sex. <laughs> Uh, bad sex is fine when it's appropriate but yeah having sex with your cohort's teenage daughter Uh, where there's no prior relationship yeah it's a little weird yeah a little not okay but yeah i i don't care if she does initiate you you should say no you should say no i mean you're you're fucking batman (laughs) (laughs) You, you are a father figure to this girl, this is it, it, taking advantage in this way. No matter how much she wants it, yeah. it's just no. That you are Batman. So there's definitely bad, valid criticisms out there, yeah. and I just wonder how do the companies address things? How do they react to these criticisms or praises? You know, um, and which ones should they take to heart the most? Yeah, um, that's, it's, that's it's a very interesting question. I mean, obviously, you know, people our age aren't going out doing polls, you know, <laughs> to let them know, you know, we're not doing telephone polls like they used to back in the day, you know. 
So how uh, do? Yeah, uh, we're not trying to kill Jason Todd. So basically, all they have to go on is sales, reactions from social media, and uh, reactions from media outlets. And I think those are three very, very different things. Because let's face it, you know, most people on social media are going to be the negative crowd that shout the loudest. Yeah. So they might have problems, but usually they're a little overblown and they're not quite as severe. (laughs) And they're not, they don't need to be as addressed quite as immediately as some people might think. Some, Some are very valid. Some, yeah, well, it's a little overblown. You're just dramatic because you don't like this specific thing in this specific context. And you don't ever tweet anything positive. So it just looks like you hate everything, you know, from from this group. Then you have the media, which is obviously clickbaiting (laughs) 99% of the time. And usually it's because they're either crucifying somebody for doing something that's not new age friendly or patting them on the back for doing something that is new age friendly and sometimes it blows up in their face but <laughs> as we saw yeah. with the transgender batgirl villain and the reboot of batgirl but which um, in both counts was a shame uh <laughs> for the media if you only go by the media you end up with a very very skewed clickbaity opinion oh. that is not representative of the whole at all um, sometimes, sometimes it's pretty consistent, Ver- but very rarely, <laughs> especially if you're getting it from all of these sources that are very clickbaity, like Buzzfeed or something like that, you know? Um, and then you have the third dynamic, which is sales. And let's face it. <laughs> if you went by sales, DC would only sell Harley Quinn and variants of Harley Quinn and maybe a Batman cover. Uh, to sprinkle that in there. Marvel would probably only sell, you know, X-Men and, <laughs> you know, Jean Grey, you know, variant covers or something along those lines, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Emma yeah. Frost variant covers forever, you know. Yeah, if you went by sales. If you went by sales, you could sell a cover with Emma Frost with Jean Grey as well yeah. on, like, every issue of anything you're publishing and there's there's some companies that are very guilty of doing the sale basis interpretation of everything where it's just nothing but betty page variants and nothing but vampirella variants you know (laughs) i'd say like 80 percent of their release stock is vampirella betty page you know um so those are three very different points of authority for these comic companies to base the demand on and base what they see as not only preferred but also okay in the current social environment or whatever um what buttons are allowed to be pressed and what buttons are not allowed to be pressed um uh what what will maintain their their franchise and what's a risk willing they're willing to take financially you know these these sorts of things um it's a very hard issue and i don't i don't know if there's a good way to give feedback i mean i guess in comicsology you got the star writings you can do i guess you could use that to supplement things um yeah but again that that necessitates you to re- <laughs> get the references from you know a digital resource where people are not collecting these books you know to save on their homes for example if i read this moon knight comic 
uh, on Comixology, and all I had was this flat cover to go on on Comixology, I give it a pretty decent rating. I'd be like, "Yeah, oh, that was cool, nice cover, I liked it," you know. Uh, yeah. But actually picking it up and holding it in my hand and seeing this like awful version of this holographic cover art, it just it doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. And it would absolutely dock what I would rate it. If it's made of like a flimsy material that tears very easily or cracks very easily, that's going to make me, as a collector, not like it as much. But how do I tell the comic, comic company that other than being like excessively critical on Twitter, you know, that they're just going to wave off and be like, yeah, that's the internet. You know, no media source is going to be, oh, comic covers are made too flimsy now, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, no, it, it it would be easy to try to actually directly relate that information yeah. and then just get lost in a sea of a bunch of other people's comments. Yeah, and I don't know if there's a good solution for it, you know? Uh, what, what you have your local comic book shops hand out a survey every time you come back in <laughs> for more <laughs> comics you know and and then you know it's probably only going to go to you know the people that have a pool i don't have a pool because i don't buy the same comic every week you know right i it's just not you get a discount if you get a pool with your local comic book shop but that would require you to get the same five six seven books every month which I don't do. <laughs> I jump around. I look at uh, different things, you know? Yeah. Um, so how do you handle this issue? I mean, again, you can supplement, like, at least story content with Comixology. But even then, you're only going with a certain amount of readers, you know? Yeah. Not necessarily the collectors and hardest, <laughs> hardcore of comic book fans that do collect these in boxes and board them and bag them and throw them on their walls or whatever else. Yeah. Well, as far as relaying criticism goes, uh, I think one of the unfortunate things about that, at least that I've seen as far as uh, Twitter, is that you have to be really careful in how you criticize them. Mostly because right now in our... the social climate that we're in. Um, there are basically some uh, keywords which, if you say it, you will be deemed like a part of this group over here that they're just never going to listen to. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because you might have something valid to tell them as far as a criticism, and because of how you might have put it, they will instantly just completely write you off. Yeah. It, so it's like a minefield. It's called tact. <laughs> T-A-C-T. Yes. Tact. My favorite word. Be be constructive with your criticism. If you have a, a something you're critical of, offer a solution maybe. Maybe suggest something different they could have done or could do in the future. Um, yeah, none of that whole, don't it go. was bad and you should feel bad. Yeah. Don't go on a cursing rant that's all misspelled and typed poorly and, Ugh. you know, has a ton of exclamation marks and tags every person you could think to tag. And don't don't be like that because then they are going to just completely dismiss what you're saying. You know, type a yeah. constructive, well-written. I mean, you, you have extra characters on Twitter now. Congratulations. <laughs> Hooray! You don't have to spell everything wrong and abbreviate everything. Write it out intelligently with full text. You know, use punctuation so people know where your sentence ends, you know. Um, 
Don't wonder- put a million exclamation points to exaggerate things that don't need to be exaggerated. I you wonder know. if we'll finally figure it out what uh, kofefe means. Confif. Kofefe. Oh, maybe he'll president. spell the whole thing out. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Like there's there's tact. There's empathy. Maybe trying to understand where they're trying to go with the yeah. story. Um, there's as far as the artwork is concerned. Uh, Maybe like pulling up like a backlog of this particular artist's work to get a better idea of exactly the type of art you can expect, yeah. and to maybe see like how they've done well in the past, how they might be coming up short recently. Um, maybe taking into account how often the book comes out. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's a there's a lot to consider. When it comes to relaying constructive criticism. Remember, you're dealing with humans here. Yeah. And if you're addressing an entire company instead of just like one editor or one writer, you're probably just yelling at some poor, (laughs) you know, public works person that, you know, works in the closet of their company, you know? Yeah. Um, It's like... like, It works part-time and (laughs) is trying to just pay for college or something, you know? Yeah, so, I'm just imagining a college kid like on a drafting table and just yeah. going like, Shh, and I, sh- I, I think sh- we, I think the internet's getting better at this, but we still have a little ways to go. Be constructive. Remember, you're talking to a human, and you will probably get much better results that way. Yeah, especially if your criticism is valid. Um, try to offer a solution if you can think of one. Um, yeah, don't just leave it empty, empty-handed, and just assume it'll be fixed. You know, offer a solution, and maybe they'll take it into account. Like I think. Pricing, for example, for DC, people are complaining, you know, these new 52 covers, you know, they're great, but you increase the price and it's so expensive now just to get, you know, a handful of comics every week, you know, it's costing us $200 to get all the issues we like. And they're like, all right, we heard you loud and clear. We're going to reduce the price a bit. We're going to release extra, you know, issues that are standalone of the, the comic every month in addition to the main line that runs through. You know, so that was great. They listened to their audience and they did something. Uh, then when they mixed all the worlds together because people were demanding on Twitter that they get their one specific version of a character back, you know, that that was a little uh, yeah, maybe but, maybe through the <laughs> the baby out with the bathwater there, you know. Yeah, that, um, that's an example of, you know, because we're dealing with humans. Uh, one of the things that can happen when uh, you're trying to relate criticism is whether or not that person has, you know, a thick enough skin to realize, oh, this is just yeah. another person voicing their opinion. And you, you never or, know when they're having a bad day, you know. Yeah. You might just catch them on the worst possible day, you know. Yeah, like either that or it could go the other route and they're maybe the type of person who is just trying to get approval and attention and whatnot. Yeah. And then end up going, like, too, too far. Too far. Yeah. As in uh, two night wings too far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, I'm sure we have a lot more to say on this topic. I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on it again. But it's late. It's like two in the morning for us here. Yes, it and, is. And <laughs> uh, we're running out of uh, uh, camera time here. So let's wrap this up. Nice and night. Remember, we publish our podcast every Wednesday, every week for your enjoyment. Hit the Books Podcast. We're on YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, and more. Uh, That wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books Podcast. Mediocre. Thank you all for sticking with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to like and subscribe and follow us on your podcast services of choice. 
and on YouTube. We're on Twitter at HTBVids. We're on Facebook at forward slash hit the books. Our website is www.htbvids.com. We are now on Instagram, hit the books. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And thank you for watching. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.